Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Stratocast. Last week we were full of optimism after watching the lads beat Dirty Leeds 5-1 but that was met with a reality check against Southampton. United were unable to find the winner after Mason Greenwood's equaliser. But we'll ask some questions about his role in that game um, as we go on with this podcast. We're joined by Daniel Nardiello and Stratty News writer Sean Connolly. Daniel Nardiello, you know a few things about hitting the back of the net. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Good. Thanks for having me on, on again. Um, but yeah, I scored a few goals in my time. Not at that level, unfortunately. But yeah, Greenwood's definitely got the gift of the guy when it comes to, to finishing as, as an E at the moment. So, and and I think reports suggest he's one of the best finishers at the club. And we, and we can see that, to be fair, on, on a match day most weeks. In regards to hitting the back of the net, what did United miss at the weekend? Because when they got that equaliser, it looked like we were pushing on. and looked like we were going to dominate nearly give him a bit of a hammering but we never quite found it yeah I was actually you brought that up there I think at United we scored uh you're thinking we're gonna we're gonna go on here and, and, and win the game comfortably we were dominating and I was surprised that Ollie brought on us up uh, in Sancho so soon after getting that equaliser and, and dominating I think for me it wasn't that I know we want Sancho in as quick as possible we need to get him used to the style of play and get him used to the team and the players and what have you but for me it was a case of we're on top here we're, we're don't change something that's working and 
I, I did feel that that substitution kind of gave us a bit of a, it kind of stumped us a little bit. And rather than keeping the team as it was for another 10, 15 minutes, because we were well on top, dominating the game, creating chances, I think it kind of, like I say, just stumped us a little bit and it, it didn't work out, unfortunately, because I did think we'd go on uh, and, you know, get that 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 what, second or even third goal. You usually expect us to, don't you, when you're in that position, especially at halftime, you were thinking you might have come out now firing. We could definitely still get three points. Sean, how are you since we last chatted? We were very, very optimistic last week, but I think we might have been put into our back into our box there at the weekend. I'm doing well, my man. I'm doing well. Um, yeah, well, look, optimism is, 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 optimism is still there. It's one game, Dale. It's one game. And as frustrating as it is, um, there's 36 more games to play. Uh, it was frustrating, obviously, as uh, Daniel has touched on there. It, it seemed like something was going to come from it, and unfortunately, it did not. Um, it's an interesting uh, take that uh, Daniel has there about the the Sancho substitution. It's something that I wouldn't have even considered. Uh, I mean, I, you, you'd naturally consider bringing on a player like that off the bench that you're you're in control of a game. You're adding further firepower to it, and um, would accelerate your opportunities. But is incredibly right in what he's saying. I mean, the, the performance did seem to drop ever so slightly after that. And it's possible that the change in momentum and the shift in momentum with the result of the substitution cost us. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something I hadn't considered and something I'm going to think about quite a bit after this now. You mentioned it's two games into the season. The reaction on social media, I know it's not something that you can always go by, but it's been a bit bizarre but predictable. People are really cutting the throat off Solskjaer. Forgetting the early season optimism, is this just complete knee-jerkery and how can we see past it logically? I think uh, a very large proportion of it is knee-jerkery um, but that's to be expected with Manchester United. Uh, I mean you could, you could take a scenario if we were 15 games into the season and we had gone on a run where we had won 14 and if we drew the 15th then everything stops. The press the press accelerates and everything turns into an absolute roller coaster and there's, there's, there's trouble in the camp, etc., etc. I mean, I'm not saying to totally disregard the performance. The performance um, was frustrating and worrying at the same time um, in certain doses. For the opening 15 minutes, we created so many opportunities and we realistically should have been up by about two or three goals after about 15 minutes. And ultimately, when we didn't capitalise on that, we essentially just was we allowed the 12th man in Southampton's fans to get back and 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 the stadium lit up and I suppose it g'd up Southampton a little bit uh, for for many for the last couple of seasons I think the largest concern that we have had is that we were so lethargic in starting particularly um in in, the, in these many games where we were coming from behind don't think it was the case this time we started quick we created lots of opportunities and we just didn't finish them and I suppose the most worrying factor is that we inevitably fell away and Southampton we allowed Southampton to get back into the game especially in the last 10 to 15 minutes Southampton were really on top and I didn't expect that the one point that had me scratching my head was Mason Greenwood's role because last week when we spoke on the podcast we, we spoke about how impressive he was leading the line and how I haven't seen a player of that age play that role so maturely but then come the weekend Solskjaer decided in order to accommodate Anthony Martial that he would play Greenwood on the right and kind of shunted what he was doing the previous week for, for you what was the thinking behind that I was surprised by it um it was 
A strange one because Greenwood, like you said, led the line so well in the, in, in the Leeds game. He got his goal. He looked a threat. He, he drifted from side to side at times as well. So he's, you, you can see that he's not just a, a sole number nine. He can create a lot from coming deep, getting on the ball, you know, drifting out wide, making the runs in behind. And, and it seemed to, to, albeit Marshall can do that, it just seemed a bit of a shock to me that, that Ollie changed it so quickly knowing how well the team had performed the week before against Leeds. So for me, it was a shock. I think I, I mentioned Sancho probably shouldn't have come on when he came on, but I think he should have started. I think it was the perfect opportunity to bring him in and play him on the right-hand side, keep Greenwood in the middle, get pop, keep Barra Fernandes, you know, like they did against Leeds, and you know, kick on from there. It was, it was a perfect opportunity, like I say, to get Sancho in, but keep Greenwood in that role because we all believe and all see that the potential he has and the ability he has to be you know, the future number nine for Manchester United for many years to come. So it was frustrating to see the, the team's selection as well. But I mean, like Sean and you both said, I wouldn't be getting too carried away. No manager's perfect. No one manager makes the, the right decisions all the time. And there's always going to be fans like ourselves disagreeing with the team selection, especially yeah. when you don't get all three points. So I was disappointed, but I still trust in Holly. I think it's, it's mm. social media always to go by, I think. Some fans get a bit carried away, don't they, after a result? And, and United are still going to be in a great, really strong position going forward because they've got Cavani to come back, got Varane to come in, Sancho to you know get that regular place in the team as well. So things are still looking bright for me. It's just teams are going to be excited to play against Manchester United with fans back in the stadium. And, and it, you never get an easy away game when you, when you are Manchester United. Sean, for you, was that a, a chance for Martial to... To go out and prove himself with the uh, with Cavani set to come back, Greenwood scoring last week, and, and a lot of question marks over his his role in the team. I do. Um, what we spoke about last week in relation to a squad winning league titles and cup competitions, not eleven players. I think that really bears fruit here because Martial is obviously coming off the back of uh, a very prolonged period on the sidelines with his recuperation. Now, his, uh, everything that I've been told and everything that I've been reading states that he's really applying himself very, very well in training. He's, uh, he's very active on social media at the moment as well and that he looks happy. And um, I think with his application in training, also with the performance that he put in, in the uh, behind doors against Burnley, I think it maybe put it in a position in the manager's head where it almost warranted an opportunity for him to go out there and stake his claim for maybe not a starting role, but definitely consideration for a starting role or a strong option off the bench. And I think with Pogba playing as well as he is in that advanced role on the left, naturally you want to keep Pogba there because it's, it's such a, it's such a, a balancing act, what Ole has to do with this club, because there's so many mentalities and egos at the club, particularly as I touch him on Marcy Allen Pogba. And you need to keep so many people happy. So Pogba, for the first time in quite some time, he, he looks incredibly happy in what he's doing, in, in where he's playing and the freedom and expression that he's getting. So keeping him there is alleviating Martial starting on the left. So it's a fine line, I think, in terms of that balancing act. And while I agree with uh, what, the, what Daniel's always saying, that I would have liked to see Sancho starting out right, Greenwood up top, Pogba on the left, and to keep that continuity flowing. Um, I can understand why Martial started to give him that opportunity. Now, unfortunately, he looked like a player who's been out for five months. Uh, he found it very, very difficult to get into the game and uh, it affected us. But I do think there was plausible reasons behind it, yeah. There's also a lot of reports coming out of Spain at the moment about Salon Negrez, the Atletico Madrid midfielder, who I think would excite a lot of United fans out there because there's a lot of them out there calling for that midfield signing before deadline day. Midfield again at the weekend, it wasn't ideal, but I don't think the manager had many other options. You could argue that Van de Beek could have started at a Fred, but 
that's just a back and forth argument, you know, about different opinions. Managers, his reason for starting Fred is because he plays every week. And last season, he played a big role in, in the team. We finished second, so it's not exactly ludicrous like some people will make out. But Nards, the a signing like Sal Niguez, there's talks of an initial loan and then maybe a buy in the following year. Is that a player they think would fit in in that kind of holding role to allow Manchester United to play a 4-3-3 this season? Because I'm looking at the squad and I don't at the moment I don't see an opportunity to play that formation. I've been calling out for that type of player for, for, for a long time. I think it's, it's something United need. I think it's something we we can help adapt the team and get the players playing in and around that 4-3-3 formation that could work really, really well. So, so yeah, I think he's, he's only going to improve the squad as well, isn't he? It, 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 Solskjaer doesn't tend to put his players straight into the fold, does he? He keeps them on the bench for a bit, getting the understanding of how he wants them to play, that kind of thing. So I, I don't see any difference here. I think if he does come in, I think, like you say, it's the loan with the permanent <clears throat> for, for next season. But he plays, you know, for, for you know for Spain as well, and, and and he's got a good record with those guys. So for me, he's only going to improve our squad, and, and it's something that we, I think, is vital for us going forward. Um, but again, like you mentioned with, with Donny, it's, it's just it's it's it's, it's weird. I, I find the whole situation crazy because I thought even that game on on Saturday was screaming out for someone like him to to come in and potentially change it up a little bit. Uh, he, he must be really. Gutting for him, knowing that you've got a half-fit McTominay coming on before he is to, to try and win a game. So it's it's a difficult one. But for me, yeah, so I think it would be a good signing if it happens. The the, the reaction to, to results like this, the one, they don't go United's way under Solskjaer. People usually point the finger at Donny van der Beek. And what I usually say in response is, when he's played and when he's got his chance in off the bench or whatever, and some people might say he hasn't got enough chances, he hasn't really impressed he hasn't took games up by the scruff of the neck and I think after all these results it's all the finger is always pointed to Donny van der Beek when in reality he's never really done it now when you go back to when he was in that Ajax team and when he was when they reached the Champions League semi-finals people are talking as if he was one of the main players I remember Frankie de Jong being one of the main players. I remember Matthias de Ligt being one of the main players. I remember Danny van der Beek being a good player, started games, but I don't remember him winning games or, or standing out. And I, I do get, look, that he deserves a chance. The midfield is not ideal. And surely there's a way that we can, can get him into the team. But if you're going talking, I think, about Sal Niguez, Sean, does that it's not spell further doubt for Danny van der Beek? Because... I don't think he's an out now holding midfielder, but he's probably more like Donny van der Beek than anything else. Look at it from two angles. Look at it from the angle that I, I continually uh, showed about and the necessity to have a strong squad and to have multiple options. And adding to that, I mean, it can only, uh, it can only enhance the, the opportunities that we have as a football club and moving forward if we have more options. Yeah. But when you want to look at it from the other avenue and you want to look at it primarily from Donny's perspective... He's struggling to get in a game as it is. As uh, Daniel touched upon, you've got a, a partially fit McTominay coming off the bench instead of him. I think in my opinion, I mean, I don't know do you agree, maybe you do, but I, I feel like Donny was a player that was brought because it was an easy transfer to make. Um, I mean, Edwin van der Sar was obviously pulling the strings at, at Ajax. He was available for a reasonable figure and it was seen as an overall easy acquisition. 
I think in getting him as well at denied rivals like Real Madrid, the opportunity to purchase him on the cheap and potentially sell him on for profit at a later date because we forget so often the people that own these clubs, they're just thinking about money as well. Mm-hmm. I'm not convinced he was ever really in Ole's plans. And I think he was a player that was kind of presented to Ole, well, look, here's, here's someone that you can work with. Now, I think it's, 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 it's hard when you look at Donny's situation because you're, you're looking game after game and wondering when is he going to get an opportunity. But I think the one saving grace in this is that after the Southampton game, Ole did come out and he, he specifically spoke about Donny and said that he was going to play a big part this season. When you couple that with his, the obvious strength and conditioning that he's been putting in because he's after putting on quite a bit of mass, um, I feel he's going to get quite a few opportunities now as you touched upon. The, the brief cameos that he's had thus far, there's nothing really that's differentiated his performances from that of a, I suppose, a top quality graduate player coming through and trying to make it into the senior team. But then at the same time, he's not really getting game after game after game yeah. to establish himself within that team. And if you add somebody like uh, a Saul or, or, a, or a Neves, then obviously it's going to inebriate his chances. Um, now from that, it could also be a, a further firework in training where he says, look, I really, really have to do this. And ultimately it's at, I suppose it's at his feet now. He needs to be the one that says, right, I'm going to make it here. And if he's going to make it, he just has to apply himself and with every opportunity he gets, if it's five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, he has to make himself an opportunity for the next game in the manager's head. I think he deserves credit too in the way he's come back this summer. He, he looks bigger. He's talking he does, about yeah. getting into getting into that first team and the work that he has to do. And he, as you mentioned, Solskjaer has been public that he will get his opportunities. His agent today gave an interview to the Telegraph in, in Holland saying that he's happy with the clarity he's received from the manager. Yeah, um, which, look, this all points to that he will get chances. I think Varane will coming into the team may open up the opportunity to, to, to play that 4-3-3 that we were talking about. And that might yep. give Donny van de Beek an opportunity to get some game time. So, yeah, he does deserve credit coming back. And you know what? The least we can ask of him for a player that hasn't had a good first season is that he does come back and he has a go at it. There's, there's players that would throw their ties out of the pram if they came to a club like van de Beek has and, and hasn't, hadn't got really many opportunities. It seems to me that his attitude is that I'm going to have a go at it despite in the past 12 months, and it's continued into this season, the amount of former Ajax players um, and icons of the club that have publicly come out and kind of slammed his transfer to Manchester United and suggested that he should move elsewhere. And these are all people, as as a young Dutch player, that you would listen to. But for him, he, he seems to want to fight for his place. And I don't think it's a matter of just wanting to take high wages. He doesn't look really happy, but he seems to want to give it a go. It's the least you can ask for. Nards, I want to touch on Gary Neville's obsession this week with Harry Kane. I thought it was strange, really, how you speak to most Manchester United fans and what they want is a defensive midfielder. That's, that should be a priority. But Gary Neville stressed that they should be the club spending $150 million to make Harry Kane a Manchester United player because, or assumingly he'd be the missing part of Jigsaw. But was it really Harry Kane he was talking about? We know now today that he's staying at Spurs, but was it more so Gary Neville kind of pushing the club to dip into that market again and to make a big sign to ensure that a challenge is made this season and help out is made? 
Yeah, listen, Gary Neville's got some insider knowledge. We all know that. He's, he's, he knows, as you mentioned, Ollie's his mate. He's, he's close with the club. He's close with a hell of a lot of staff at the club as well. So he he knows a lot more than, than you know we do uh, on the outside of things. So, yeah, I think even if he was Kane, even if he was obsessed with, with Kane, with, with you know, the strike, 150 million. I mean, I'm almost in agreement with him. Just, just get the book out, spend the money on a world-class striker, whether it's Harry Kane now, Haaland next year, whoever it may be. You, 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 you just you, want to you, see goals. You don't see logic. <laughs> <laughs> it's Manchester United. We've got to, now's the time with the, what's going on in Spain and Italy. Now's the time where you can get these players in on long-term contracts and just dominate you know, your home league and Europe Cup for years. And it's us, Chelsea, um, City, Liverpool. These are the teams that are going to get these big-name players. And I know Kane's obviously staying there now, but Gary Neville knows that you need that style of player to win titles and European trophies. And yes, we all believe in Greenwood and how good he can be, but there's no reason why you can't have him and or a Haaland, a Kane as well on top of that, because... You're going to significantly increase your chances of winning things if you've got a player like that. When you see reports of Cristiano Ronaldo rumoured to be going to Man City, yeah. are you also thinking, why not use that money to go out and get him? No, no, no. 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 I think Ronaldo, we all love Ronaldo. He's a Manchester United legend and he's a great player. Will he go to City? Would he go to City? You never know. You never know these players. You, you, who would have thought Rafa Benitez <laughs> managing Everton? Who would have thought that you know certain players would go to the, the rival of their teams? Things like that do happen. I think it's unlikely, but it could happen. But listen, if, if you can get a Kane or a Haaland, I mean, Haaland's the one for me, and you can get him on a five, six-year deal at a young age. I mean, that's just going to be phenomenal, phenomenal for whoever gets him. Um, so, yeah, I think Gary Neville just wants the club to back Ollie in the market because he believes that you know we need to compete and we need those kind of players to compete to, to win the league. When you heard Gary Neville say on Monday Night Football, I think Manchester United need a centre forward in the next 12 months. The guy, meaning Kane, is available now if you pay 150 million. And we know that's not the case right now, but there's other yeah, yeah. centre forwards out there, including Erlen Haaland. Last week, you did say that with Mason Greenwood, I know that I said the same, I wasn't quite thinking about the likelihood of in 12 months time just being with say Greenwood and maybe that being it that we're definitely going to have to go into the market for a striker Erling Haaland have you changed your view on that because when you look at the market right now there's not many clubs that are going to be able to spend that money on Haaland next summer and we're one of them yeah well I mean look my my view I suppose it always nearly starts off with the same thing that I'm 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 a backer of of built and developed squads because that's how you achieve this. And I mean, ultimately, if you're in a position where you just have Mason Greenwood and he gets an injury, then you don't have Mason Greenwood. Mm. I mean, Erling Haaland is is in that class of a generational talent who just bangs in goals for fun. If he becomes available, then surely if you're a serious club and you want to compete perennially, you have to look at that sort of acquisition for a multiple of reasons. It's what I touched on with Donny. It's not just bringing in squad depth. It's not just bringing in quality. It's depriving your rivals of these as well. Um, I suppose there's a bit of baggage that comes with him in terms of his agents. And I'm not overly keen on having two players at the club that there's carrots dangled in front of us constantly, contracts being run down, agent fees, but ultimately it's not our money, is it? Um, and like, also, like Daniel. And also yeah. on that, sorry to interrupt, not to defend me or Riola in any way, but when Slatan was at the club and even Mkhitaryan was at the club, they didn't behave or let off signals like Paul Pogba. So just yeah. 
when you add into the Paul Pogba debate and how it, it's just the agent, I do side a little bit with Graham Sooners when he says that the player has involvement too. Um, no, I get that. I get that totally. Yeah, I do understand that. You know, with, and, with and Zlatan I mean, was is a is a big PR machine too, huge. But when he was at the club, ultimately he loved Manchester United. Oh no, no, absolutely. And when Zlatan and Mkhitaryan were there, there was there wasn't these these fire alarms going off. No, the worry that I have in moving forward is for one reason or another. However, it has occurred. A spark has been lit with what is going on with Pogba and Rayola yeah, and Manchester yeah. United, and it's just apprehension about the possibility of further superstars coming through. But look, ultimately, if we get the opportunity to sign a player to quality of Ireland, I mean, we, we, we have to sign a player to quality of Ireland because look, 12 months time. I mean, I was looking at it last week and my opinion is that, I mean, if, if you're in a position and you're, and you're searching the Bundesliga for a striker and you've got Haaland and Greenwood playing in the Bundesliga and you can pick one of the two of them, you can make an argument for either, you know? And, I think so, but, yeah. but, then it, but then at the same time, 12 months time, we don't have Cavani, you know? And I think this is come part and parcel why Martial started the last day it's trying to determine his capabilities and trying to build him up into that option as another number nine you know but no no it remains to be seen look I mean a, a short answer yes if we can buy him we should buy him I think yeah I think he's a Manchester United striker I think he you look at him and I know Dan, like I said Daniel all sees his goals but that's all he brings isn't it just goals 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 he started the Bundesliga season I don't know whether two goals or a hat-trick but at this rate you just lose count he just scores goals every week. And of course, you want a bit of that in your side. Just to quickly preview the Wolves game, one of the players that we are being linked with this week is Neves, um, Ruben Neves, yeah. who has been in the Premier League for three or four seasons now, I think, um, has impressed pretty much every year. He's got plenty of experience, even in the Champions League from a young age. And I think he's proven in the Premier League. I don't necessarily think he is what Manchester United need. I don't think if they had an open cash book and they could pick one midfielder, that it would be Ruben Neves. Um, and it could be another example of signings we've seen in the past where we just kind of snatch at the opportunity. And we, we talk about a good recruitment policy, which we've seen under Solskjaer. I just question this one. Nards, what are your views on Neves? And do you think he would be the signing to, to inject a bit of life into, into United's midfield and grit? I, I, I agree with everything you said there. You've actually nailed it in, 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 in your comparison of him. Is it what United need? How good of a player he is? How experienced he is? He's got a great attitude. He's done fantastic for Wolves. He's got the experience in the Premier League. But like you say, is he the player that we need? Or is it a bit of a knee-jerk reaction to, to a player that's potentially available to, to get him in, to, to add depth? Is, is he going to come straight into the team? I'm not convinced I do, I do like him as a player, and I think he is good enough to be a, a squad player at Manchester United. But I'm, I'm a bit concerned that it's, it's another, say, another Van der Beek or of, of history has shown us it's not someone that is going to come in and, and have a real impact on, on the team. Uh, I've struggled to see where he'd come in, to be honest with you, because I'm not convinced he's. You're still not signing. You're not, you're, yeah, you're still not signing what you need. Yeah. That's why, that, that's why it's another Donny van der Beek. It's not another Donny van der Beek in the sense that we don't rate either player. It's a no, more Donny van der Beek in the sense that he is not exactly what we're crying out for. When, when, when you see all these people on Twitter saying, we need this holding midfielder who will, you know, we know we get the ball forward. I, I think he's a bit lazy. I don't think he has the drive that we need midfield. And I don't think he, he, he's that defensive mode of a player that we were crying out for. 100% um, agree. 
you know, and, and there's definitely other ones out there. At the start of the summer, when, the, when Ollie, Ollie had his list put together of the players that he would like to sign, Declan Rice was near the top of that. Um, and, and I don't see Ruben Neves being, a, being an alternative. Although I don't think Declan Rice is, is probably the best option out there, but I trust, I definitely trust the manager's views because the signs that they've have improved the squad, so why not continue backing up? Sean, quickly, before we go on to the questions, what is your prediction for the Wolves game at the weekend? I fancy us to bounce back. I'd say 2-0 United. 2-0 United. And yourself, Nard's scoreline prediction? I'm tempted to say, I'll go 3-0. I, th- I think we'll, we'll bounce back. I think it'll be comfortable. I think we'll go you know, go into the game with a lot of confidence and pro- you know, that urge to prove prove other, te- other fans and, and 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 I suppose themselves wrong and get get out there and, and score goals, get a good comfortable lead at half time and, and, and see the game out. I'm gonna go two nil and Sancho to score his first goal for the club. Moving on to the questions, Garrett has asked, and this one's for you Nards, do you think we will continue to play a double pivot midfield when Varane becomes a starter? Short answer, yes, I think Ollie loves it. Uh, Ollie likes that way of style of play. He's got, especially when our Pogba playing that role a bit further on the left hand side, uh, up front to the left wing almost. I think it adds that bit extra quality that can come in deep, get the ball, create, and also you know you know get in behind if, if need be as well, and, and create chances for, for the forward thinking players. So so yeah, I, th- I think United will will stick to that. Jeremiah asks, are United actually in for a defensive midfielder? I'll take that one. A lot of things based on whether we can sell a few players um, between now and deadline day. You have the options of Lingard. Well, Jones is more than likely going to go out on loan if he does leave the club, if he doesn't remain a, uh, another choice for Solskjaer. But defensive midfielder, like I said, there's no point signing something that is, is, is not what you're planning to build this team around. There really is no point. And Solskjaer needs to get a play, get the player in that will do the job. I have heard the last attempt made to sign Trippier came with the realization that they weren't going to go for a defensive midfielder that they've almost given up. That would suggest that they've accepted that they won't get the player they want. That would again point to Declan Rice, I think, which in twelve months' time it might be different. That's the one that I'm watching right now. If they did get Trippier have also been told that they would try and play a 3-4-3 formation. So I don't think that would suggest much for Anwan Bissaka to stay in the team. I think that would suggest that Guillermo Trippier might play a lot more if that deal was to happen. For you, Sean, another question in from Brian. What's your opinion on Anwan Bissaka? He is touted as being the weak link in defence, lacking attacking attributes, solely a 1v1 specialist. Does the lack of defensive cover also mean he's under no pressure to perform, similar to Shaw before Tellez's arrival? I think there's a lot of valid points there in that. I mean, Wan-Bissaka, I, I class him kind of as a, a work in progress as well. And I know you shouldn't really be spending £50 million on a work in progress, but I'm, I'm sort of fundamentally looking at that towards his attacking range. I think defensively, sometimes he can be caught out. His defensive awareness uh, on certain occasions, particularly in defending um I think um, very, very high range crosses that are aimed at the back post. He seems to get a little bit uh, like deer in headlights at times. But fundamentally, his one-on-ones and his ability to track back are incredibly strong. And I think they outweigh the negatives in his defensive attributes. Attacking-wise, I feel like, I, I do think he comes under a lot of scrutiny attacking-wise because he almost looks slightly uncomfortable when he's running with the ball and dribbling with the ball he looks lanky and he looks like he's going to fall over the ball when in actuality he never really does and he seems to be in control he contributed quite a few assists as well last year um so i think there's a 
clear evidence that he's improved since he's come to the club. Uh, the, the work that's been put in with him in the context of his attacking traits, I think, is, is starting to show. I'm not saying he's perfect, but I'm, I certainly don't believe he's as weak a link as he's made out to be by certain people. Um, I, 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 would, I would say, look, the lack of an, an alternative right back I mean, obviously not being able to acquire Trippier and now it's just looking as uh, Adalo as, as, as right back. Maybe it does take a little bit of pressure off him to think I don't really have someone known at the bit to, to take the place off me. It'd be interesting with a 3-4-3, as you said, though. Um, yeah. 3-4-3 would be quite interesting because if you three at the back with Lindelof or Varane and Maguire, that's quite strong. A lot of ball carriers there as well. It, so. it, it backs up what I was said last week about being told that Lindelof, although the sign of Varane comes in, that it doesn't rule out his plan or part of being Solskjaer's plans for the future. That again would suggest with it with a three four three that that's the case. Um, it it's been said repeatedly this summer that Solskjaer rates Lindelof, and some people yeah. think that Varane is coming in to replace him. Um, it, in the long run of things, or long scheme of things, that m- might not be the case. So. Moving on again, before we wrap it up, Nard Dylan asks, why do United keep hold of average players on, and keep giving them new contracts instead of selling them when we definitely should? I think he's talking about Phil Jones. I was going to say, it depends who you're talking about here, but I mean, ultimately, previous managers are given long-term contracts to players. They're not easy to get out when they've got huge contracts. Um, they're not going to get the wages elsewhere, so it can be difficult. Uh, and, and ultimately, you, you can't force someone out of the club if they're under contracts. Then they're, they're in their rights to stay there and they don't have to go anywhere. Giving new contracts, I don't really know who he's referring to there. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of players that I would potentially keep. That You know, there's talks of like Lingard going and stuff like that. For me, I'd keep Lingard all day long. I yeah. think he had such quality and enthusiasm and, and, and work rate to, this, to the team when he can come on, you know, or even start certain games in the Premier League. We saw that again with, with West Ham. As long as his head's right now, um, I think he, he'd be a great you know, acquisition for the club to, to keep. Uh, but I think I understand the frustrations with Phil Jones. Uh, it's, 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 we've all been frustrated with it. And I feel sorry for him because he's had so many blimmin' injuries, it's injury after injury after injury, because he did have all that talent and he was a tip to be a, a real talent. So it, it is frustrating, but it's a long-term process. It doesn't happen overnight and you've got to get players out slowly when it's right for the team. I think too, which pushes a question like this, is, is, is timing. Because all the talk is that United to sell a few players before they can can dip back into the market. And although, of course, you, you then would like to see the players that are on the fringes being sold, you'd like to make profit. That's not always the case. But but in other ways, it's it's unfortunate for those players that are in those columns or in those headlines. Because if they don't move on and the offer that they would, would hold out for doesn't come in, the big glass is already on them. The focus is on them. The spotlight is on them already. And it, it's probably a situation as a player you don't want to find yourself in. But as we, we close up, I want to say thanks to the two lads for, for joining me today on the podcast. Um, you can subscribe to the Strikecast on, on your preferred podcast platforms. And until next week, we'll hear you out. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.